0: everybody. I know I always start it like that sometimes here at uh, Insight with Billy Wayne. Hello, everybody. And I hope that you're listening. I hope you're having a great day in the Lord. Um, you know, I've been uh, talking the last uh, couple of times uh, about the cross, and I'm going to continue that today. Um, we've got some things going on in the studio. <laughs> My engineer, you doing all right, buddy? All right. So we, um, we, we, I just want to continue talking about the cross and what that means. And we just went through the Easter season, but regardless, the cross is extremely important. And we talk about it all the time. And so today, um, I want to share a message called Crucified with Christ, which is from Galatians chapter 2. And really concentrate on verse 20. But if you go and look at Galatians chapter 2... And and looking um, really from verses eleven on, it talks about there's absolutely no reason that we've returned back to the law because of what Christ has done, and it says it's very important that we understand what Christ has done, and that's nothing of ourselves, and what the cross really means. And uh, verse sixteen says, knowing that uh, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified." And that's really what, it's a beautiful picture here, how Christ came and showed us, you know, uh, and I grew up at a church that was extremely legalistic, you know, doing this, don't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And uh, at the same time, of course, the gospel was clearly presented. I came to know Christ. But there were a lot of do's and don'ts and not really, you know, I've found that when we learn to be discipled and grow in our walk of faith, you know, the Holy Spirit within us does convict us and show us. And not that we don't need the law as a schoolmaster, because I think it does show us all those things, looking at the Ten Commandments and all Christ said, all the Ten Commandments could be wrapped up in two, to love the Lord your God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, what does that mean? Well, if I love the Lord God uh, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I can not have other gods before him. And, you know, I'm going to keep the Sabbath holy and so forth and so on. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to kill and steal and do all those things. So Christ uh, does this beautiful thing by fulfilling the law himself. And it's a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. Now, crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I want to read that to you. And it goes on to say this in verse 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. He says, Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it goes on to say, and I love this verse, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And, um, I'll talk about that verse in just a minute, but I look at this, and this is beautiful. I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. A few years ago, several years ago, I do a lot of retreats. Uh, For those who don't know, I travel on top of uh, so, give you a little history here. Uh, you may hear me speak on here, but a lot of people may not know exactly what I do. We actually have a Christian theater in downtown Kingsport, Tennessee, but uh, and we do uh, you know quality Christian entertainment. We present the gospel through all of our productions, whether it's a comedy or Broadway review, or it's the life of Jesus, like we just we're doing Easter, uh, finished Easter, and getting ready to do the life of Paul. So some are biblical plays, and then some are just you know Christmas and uh, patriotic shows and things like. that that. Comedies, mysteries, all kinds of really different Kinds of theater, and but they all have the gospel clearly present presented, and we feel that that's extremely important as a Christian theater. So, um, but I've only been doing that for um, well, this is our going on our eighteenth year. But I've been in Christian as a Christian music artist. I stepped out in nineteen eighty nine and started doing Christian theater, uh, Christian music rather, as a Christian music artist, and traveled for years doing youth evangelism and events, of which I still do. I do a lot of um, revivals. Um, and uh, speaking engagements and concerts and work with students. I do a lot of youth uh, events still, go in public schools and speak and share. Do a lot of, uh, lot of ministry and I'm gone quite a bit. When I'm got to show up and going, then I get to actually leave. And so um, it's a, it's an awesome awesome way to get out and share and still travel and do evangelism. So anyway, I do that and as a result, I do I've done different conferences in the summer. We have camps for at risk children. But we also do a program uh, with them, Beach Week, and different kinds of like Christian conferences for youth. So one of them that I did in the past was called Wanted Dead But Alive. And it took all that Western theme that had the the old bullet shot uh, kind of Signage and and on it said wanted like the wanted signs wanted dead but alive we're dead in our dead in ourselves but alive in Christ and that's what this whole crucified with Christ I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And so what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? That is salvation. Our salvation comes at the moment where we're willing to die to ourselves and let Christ live in us. Not just knowing the verse, but living the life. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. When we see someone get baptized, that is also a visual outside a uh, showing of an inward faith and of what's happening on the inside, we can't see that. So people get baptized to show that they're buried in their sin and raised a new life to follow Jesus. And this whole crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me to put to death the flesh of what we carry and to be raised a new life to follow Him in the spiritual aspect of having Him in our heart and lives. Let me ask you a question: Are we so close in our relationship with Christ? that we die with him and he begins in us. Are you that close in your relationship with Christ where you are willing to die and let him begin? Nothing else is needed. We see also when we look at verse 16. It's beautiful. We talked about that. It's by faith, and uh, we're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, and that's what salvation is all about. It's not anything that we're doing and making ourselves good or straightening up our lives. We can't do that. We need to take um, the gift that Christ gave when he gave everything on the cross. So I'm going to look at this passage of Scripture and break down a few things. Number one, I am crucified with Christ, and we talked about this Uh, in uh, another podcast about the crucifixion being the worst kind of death reserved for the hardest of all criminals. And uh, Jesus hung on that cross. He was suspended between heaven and between earth before the judgment seat of God for the guilt of my sin and your sin. Yet he knew no sin. God at that moment turned his face away so that we could be redeemed as Christ took upon himself the sins of us all. Um, He nailed our sin to the cross. And that cross reference for that would be Colossians chapter 2. I want to read this to you. And um, verses 13 and through 15. And this is what it says. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he was made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The cross is a visual picture and a symbol of triumph. And I don't know what you, where you are in your walk of faith and what the cross means to you. Some of us take this beautiful thing and we, um, you know, polish it up, put it around our necks as. Pieces of jewelry, we wear it on our T-shirts. We put it on signs and pictures and paintings in our homes, in our offices, and but you know we've made something that you know w- w- which is a beautiful symbol. But when we look at it, it should also remind us to die to ourselves daily, and and that that our lives are it's not about us. It should remind us of that day that Jesus hung on the cross between heaven and earth, and he took upon uh, himself our sins and our iniquities. And it says he nailed it to the cross. My sin and your sin. Why are we not walking in that victory? I mean, if we say that we have Jesus in our hearts and we have Jesus in our lives, he's come, he's redeemed us. Why are we still not walking in victory? Because we've never allowed Christ to truly be that sacrifice. You know, we we practice uh, giving up things. I mean, let some people and some um, denominations will practice what's called Lent, giving up things going into the Easter season for uh, about forty days, going into that time where they're going to give up their Diet Cokes or their <laughs> whatever, you know, their soap operas or whatever they're watching, or they things that may not be good for them. And um, but the reality is, you know, we can practice, uh, and that's all good by by giving up things in life. That's not a bad thing. We can make sacrifices to God uh, and give up. Our personal time. That's what we say, Lord, you don't understand the sacrifice that I make. I'm so busy. Sunday's my only day off. And I'm going in to church to serve Jesus. You know, we all say that's so funny because it's like we're making some kind of huge sacrifice for God. And to God for our personal time. And I'll just ask the question, really? Jesus died on the cross for us. And most of us complain about that hour and a half to two hours that we have to spend away or doing something at church. We complain that music's not right or the seats are uncomfortable or we didn't like the Sunday school teacher or we want to gossip about somebody else. But we've made that personal sacrifice not to be on the lake, amen, but we're going to be there in church on Sunday mornings. And God should recognize that, right? And uh and uh, some of us say, well, I'll practice, you know, I'll, I'll work on mine. You know, Jesus went to the cross and, and and But remember Christ gave us victory. But some of us don't walk in what Christ has done. We walk in what we're trying to give up, what we're practicing to give up, what we're sacrificing. Some of us, we decide we're going to get sober. We're going to stop drinking. We're going to stop our drug addictions or stop sleeping around or whatever it happens to be. And while those things are great, folks, that doesn't change us and make us right in the eyes of God. Remember, it's not keeping those uh, perfected laws. Uh, without faith, you know, uh, there's no forgiveness in that. Some of us change our lives. I'll just come back to the same sinful self that we were when we first started We can never redeem. Only the cross makes it possible. Only the cross can bring victory over the sin in our life. We cannot do that. We have to visit the crucifixion to find true forgiveness. It's a place. I've been crucified with Christ. And if we look in the place, if we look at Jesus on the cross and him being crucified and him giving himself to us and for us, um, then we have to look at ourselves and realize, you know, no man has ever given up anything when it comes to compare is compared to um what jesus has done for us um we were i laughed the other day there's a guy one of the actresses playing jesus and he's coming down the aisle and where he had fallen and the weight of the cross had hit his shoulder there was a bruise there and the next day he goes look i've been bruised look at my shoulder I said look at what you did oh bless your little heart i said you got a bruise but jesus suffered, blood and died for you <laughs> It was a it was one of those things where we we, we we think that we've made sacrifices I was picking on on him of course and and making light of that but we talk about all these things that we give up or uh, we've lost this or whatever but I mean in comparison to what Jesus did, it wasn't just the physical suffering. He took your sin away. You have victory in Jesus. you have victory in the cross. That was one of my favorite hymns growing up victory in Jesus. I heard an old old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning. and and some si- sweet day I'll sing up there, the song of victory. The victory's not anything that I did. It's all of the weight of the cross that Christ did for me. So, we need to visit the crucifixion of Christ. We need to visit the cross. We need to look at it. We need to be reminded and stop talking about what all we've given up, or I'm going to lay this down for Jesus. When we look in light of what he's done for us, we have done so little. So, this passage in Galatians 2 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. That's the first thing. I no longer live, right? But then it says in in, in the second part of that, yet Christ lives within me, right? So, so I am crucified with Christ. Second thing, and yet I live. I so say, I've died to myself, and yet I live. Wanted, dead, but alive. Listen, we're of no good if we don't come alive in our spirits. And the only way we can come alive in our spirits is receiving Christ as our Savior, where the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He empowers us. He gives us victory over areas of sin in our life. And yet I live. We cannot live in Christ with, without dying until we die with him and in him. We've got to learn that when we yield our lives to Jesus, we don't get to do the take backs and this belongs to me. Most of us in this room, we want Jesus to be a part of our lives, but Christ never came to be a part of anyone's life. Jesus came to be your life and life abundantly, not part of it, but the whole thing. Jesus wants all of you do we love him enough to die to ourselves, our desires, our goals, our dreams, our wishes? You cannot live until you die. What should it profit a man, we, we shared this the other day, if he should gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, we can talk all day long about what we've given up, but we've got to learn to die to ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to die die to the desires that you have? The desires maybe in a relationship that you have with somebody. Are you willing to lay that relationship down? Let's say you're not married and you're sleeping around. Would you be willing to say, hey, you know what? I don't need to be sleeping with my girlfriend or boyfriend. I've got to die to my flesh and bring it under subjection of what God wants for my life. Are are you willing to die to your goals? Some of you have worked all your life to be the doctor or lawyer or whatever it is you want to be a pharmacist, a cop, you know, whatever. And we've worked so hard toward those, uh, you know, t- nurses and and, and and wonderful jobs, financiers, accountants, teachers. And we oftentimes will wake up and from the time that we're kids, we start striving to, hey, what am I going to be when I grow up? Oftentimes without even consulting what your maker designed you to be. So we have to pause sometimes and say, hey, Lord, what is it you want me to be? Are we willing to lay our goals at his feet and say, Lord, if you don't want me to be the rocket scientist, if you don't want me to be uh, you know, a philosopher, a professor, if you don't want me to be whatever, construction worker, Lord, I will do whatever it is you want me to be. You designed me. You know what you planned you had for me. Are you willing to die to that desire, your goal? What about the dreams that you had? You know, are you willing to give up the American dream to be what God's asked you to be, to go live in Africa and be a missionary? Are you willing to die to your dreams of what you had planned for your life and let God say, hey, Lord, I want you to plant in my mind, and my heart, the dreams and desires you have for me and the wishes, the wishes that you have, you know, you have a lot of great wishes for yourself, for those around you. But would you be willing to say, God, if, if you don't want any of these things in my life, I'm willing to die what my desires are to get my heart in line with you that I could accomplish the things that you have for me. You cannot live until you die. So the first part of that, I'm crucified with Christ. Second part, and yet I live. And the question is, Christ said, he says He came to give you life and life abundantly, right? So the question is, when you look at that, if he gives you life and life abundantly, then why aren't we living that life? Why aren't we living as though we have an abundant life? Some of us feel like I've given my life to Christ and it's probably the worst thing I ever did. I'm miserable, I've done this. And so I want to say to you, no, you may have given up some things and you may have um, maybe in your mind in some aspect or or romantic thinking that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. But when Christ comes and lives in you, uh, listen, I'll be honest with you, I was a dead man walking. And then Christ came and spoke to me. I gave my life to him. It was in that moment that I began to live and experience what true life in him was and spiritual life. And, and it, it, you have a purpose. You have a reason. And so Christ wants to bring that. And it can only come through the victory of the cross. So I am crucified with Christ, uh, yet I live. And, it, and then the next part says, not I, but Christ who lives in me. Now, Jesus needs to live in and through us. You know, when Jesus lived on this earth, he lived in the flesh. Once he died, and he was the son of the living God, of course, he died. He ascended to the Father in heaven. And of course, then came the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He sent, and the way that's how Christ lives in us, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit we receive that, when we receive salvation. Jesus needs to live in and through us. If all people see Uh, If all people see is just us, then we have failed. If people can't see Jesus in our life, we have failed. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. When people look at your life, do they say, hey, this person has Jesus in them. I can see it. You know, there's times in my life, I'll be honest with you, I'm not as holy maybe as the rest of you, but sometimes I get really frustrated. And there are days that probably people don't see Jesus. I want that to happen, but there's days where I have to react, you know, and I react in the flesh. I get frustrated. You know, if you're like me, I raise. I've got some kids in my home, and there's days that, you know, I get fussy. I'm tired, and then I have to go back and say, "Look, I'm sorry today, Daddy wasn't what he needed to be." Or, you know, there's days in my life and with my staff. I have to tell them, you know, I'm not the greatest leader. I hope you'll forgive me and be patient with me. But there's days. There are days that people and in situations that people. Uh, should see more of Jesus than they do of me, and oftentimes they're going to see me because I'm human. So mine every day is 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 letting Christ have more of who I am. If if all people see is just us, then we have failed miserably. I've stood before thousands and thousands of people at a time when I'm doing concerts and things like that. Sometimes I stand before just a handful of people and do concerts, and then God's given me opportunity to stand before lots of people, and. I often tell them it's not important that you remember me when I leave this day, but if you can remember that you were in the presence of Jesus, that's what matters. We're in this dog-eat-dog world. We're trying to prove to everybody who we are, and we're trying to go out and step on everybody to show, you know, this is how good I am. The the amount of people who come through this ministry and say, oh, these are all the things that I can do, and they begin to prove themselves, which, you know, that's a great thing. You've worked hard for those things. But if you have to blow your own trumpet to prove yourself to a lot of people, and you're putting yourself even out there more than Jesus, then we, we've got to be careful. You know, our selling point in our lives should be our faith in Christ. When people, we approach them, the first thing they should see or know about us is the fact that we we know the Lord. Now, St. Francis of Assisi said it, and this is the Billy Wayne paraphrase of what he would say, which, uh, you know, uh, go and share the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. If necessary, use words. And that's basically saying by the life that you live, people, you're preaching a sermon. And, um, you know, it's not all about having all the right uh, scriptures memorized. It is about living your life right uh, according to the scriptures so that people can see the Lord. If all people see in us is is just us, then we have failed. All right? And this um, it's contrary to culture. It's not making a name for ourselves. And oftentimes I'll be, you know, contrary to culture says, you go out, you push this, you, you know, you're going to be somebody, you're all that in a box of chicken, which, you know, God has gifted me with a lot of things. And I get that, you know, I've, we have a theater, I direct, I do, I write, I'm a songwriter. I, you know, I I do a lot of stuff. I speak, uh, I'm a, I'm a script writer. I do a lot of things like that. Uh, But, my whole goal in pushing any of those things is is to glorify the Lord and oftentimes we uh, contrary to culture it's not about us our life is really about Jesus We live in a very um, selfish society a very self-centered world right now where everything people think everything revolves around them and it's just not true. Uh, so oftentimes you're to live for Jesus. It's it's kind of very contrary to culture and what culture says is right and wrong and to live out boldly who he is. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. It's not clamoring to get to the top. And that's most of us will step on people to get where we're going. It's not to be successful in the eyes of the world. So uh, somebody asked me one time, because I felt like I was failing miserably. I remember when God first called me into ministry and um, my first year of ministry, and maybe one or two people came to know Christ. And, you know, I was doing a lot of just t- traveling and sharing and speaking. And I think I was measuring how many people came to know Christ or how, you know, how big your crowds are or whatever. And then the, God stopped me right in my tracks and He said, What are you doing this for? You know, I called you to do it. You step out in faith and you feel all of a sudden you're going to have to do this, this, or this. And he said, Just trust me. And so I talked to a dear friend of mine and I said, I just feel like such a failure that everything I touch seems to be falling apart. And I remember him asking me this question. He said, are you faithful? Are you faithful to everything that God's asked you to do? And if you can stop in the middle of the day and say, Lord, I've done everything that I know you've asked me to do, then you're faithful in God's eyes. You know how God measures a success is faithfulness to him. So it's not what the world considers a success. Have you done everything and been everything that God has asked you to be? We should live ultimately for people to see Jesus, not I but Christ who lives in me. Again, look at this passage of Scripture. I am crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Not I, but Christ who lives in me. The next section says this, not in the flesh, but by faith. We don't live in in this world by flesh. Every day should be a walk of faith, trusting God to do for us, again, what we cannot do for ourselves. Do we trust that not in the flesh of what we can get accomplished, not by our will. I don't know, you You guys may be like me, you may not be like me. I'm a fixer. Man, I want to fix everybody and I want to fix everything. And the Lord allows me to fall and he gets me in situations that I just cannot fix. And uh, that's his... Um, that's his you know, big, big thing is, is he, he. you know, I, I, I'm i one of those that says, okay, let me go over here and fix this person, whether it's, you know, a drug addict or somebody like that, I'll bring into my home to help to get back on their feet. If it's a kid who's, you know, at risk and a privileged child that I bring in my home or we work with in a ministry. And I'm always trying to fix people. And, uh, really at best, sometimes I put band-aids on people and they fall right back off. And, um, so, but the Lord has shown me, um, that I can't, I can't fix people, and you can't fix people, but Jesus fixed it all on the cross. Um, and, and so we've got to look at that. It's not in the flesh. We can't fix people in the flesh. But if I can share Jesus with them, get them in the presence of the Lord, and speak into their spirit the truths of the gospel, uh, and that's all I'm responsible for. I can't make people change. Don't think I haven't tried Who hasn't? All of us try to change our children. We try to change our husbands. We try to change our wives, our bosses, our work environments. We want people to change, and oftentimes it's so it would fit into our mold of what they think they should or should not be doing, not what God wants for them. So he says, not in the flesh, but by faith. Every day should be a walk of faith, trusting God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've always asked, God, just keep these God-sized things in my life that I can't get accomplished or can't do. Therefore, I know you're showing up and you're doing it. He's done that throughout my ministry oftentimes. I so ask him give me a vision of things to do and knowing there's no way f- financially, physically, mentally, emotionally that we could ever get there or that I could. And he says, well, I, I'll be honest with you, Billy. I just don't need you. I could do this without you. So um, God-sized things he puts in my life. And I don't know what it's been like for the last few years for you, but he's put sickness in my life uh, not just my own sickness he's uh, uh you know I've not really had a whole lot of health issues I think it's because I, I licked a, do- a lot of doorknobs when I was a kid and ate dirt my mama <laughs> is out literally like I would make mud pies and start eating them and I, I I lived on on a you know out in the country most of our lives we did that and we always had gardens and I remember my mom was crazy she was crazy my mom was crazy she's funny and, and you know, all these diseases and stuff that pop around my mama. I'll never forget. She found out that uh, my next door neighbors, which were also my double first cousins, go figure that. That's only in Tennessee, right? It's where two 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 brothers married two sisters, you know, not, not brothers and sisters because it's not good. But two brothers in one family married two sisters in another family. And so we, I have some double first cousins. They live next door. And my mom found out that they had the mumps. So what did she do? She took us down there so we would get them, and she said, "Now eat ice cream after them." She wanted us to get them, she went and she tried to kill us because she was told. Of course, they were told. Even with measles and chicken pox, if you're exposed to those things as a child, you have a better, you know, outcome. It's better on you than later in life. So, uh, you know, that's that's what it was like way back when. So, I, I did have a lot of sickness when I was a little kid: pneumonia and chicken pox at the same time. Almost died in the hospital. I didn't remember this; it's when I was an infant. But God allowed that, even that God size was, you know, he allows those sicknesses. And a lot of people may not believe that, but, but but, Scripture does teach that. Whether you like it or not, God allows. There's nothing happened to you that God's not aware of. And then people say, well, then that's what makes people mad at God. If God's a God of, you know, hope and love, why do we allow suffering? You got to understand something. Sin is rampant in this world. When Adam decided, and, and Eve, they've decided to take a, the fruit uh, in the garden, there, we've all got that Adamic sin in us. And sometimes it's not the sins that I've committed, but the sins that my forefathers or my dad or my mom's done that's caused grief and sorrow and sin in my own life. And so um, i got the sins of the father and those generational curses. And so, anyway, I was puny and I was little, and we, we have those things in our life, uh, you know, uh, and we all live in the flesh, you know. Uh, God sized things are also like death, we can't fix death. I've not found anybody that's found a cure to death yet. I don't think it's going to happen. The only one's Jesus. He overcame death, hell, in the grave. Amen. So God-sized things, He puts those adversities in our lives, problems, struggles, sorrows, and we've been through it in our ministry. Oftentimes, it gets a, you'll get attacked when you stand up for the Lord, and you can face adversity. And so, um, but be reminded that you know this is the way I look at it. If you remember the picture of Job, Job going into. Uh, or Job Job living in the world, and then Satan going into the courts of God. And um, it was God who brought up Job's name. Have you considered my servant, Job? And so I've said many times, I wish that God would forget my name that particular day would be all right. Um, but sometimes God says, look, I need to see what you're made out of. And I want you to see, because in the struggles and troubles that you have, I get to show off. I get to be God. And so oftentimes God uh, allows those God things. And I've prayed for those. I know it sounds crazy for you guys to think that, but true. I really believe that true Christians and true believers are okay. Okay. With praying for Lord, for brokenness, for humility, for, um, for those things in our lives that, you know, God, humble me, God, break me, keep me before your throne that I can see your handiwork. And not that I don't want the blessings, too. I pray, you know, Lord, I want what you want for my life and not what the enemy wants. And, but at the same time, I don't want to walk in some kind of arrogance that I'm a privileged person that, you know, God owes me something. He doesn't owe me anything. Jesus saved me when he went to the cross. Anything above, that's a blessing. And, but but the scripture says, not in the flesh, but by faith. If I can accomplish it in my flesh, then I don't really need God. If I can buy it, if I can get a job to fix it, if I can if 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 it's something that I can do to make it better, heal it with my own hands, then why would I need God? You know, it's not in the flesh that we live, but it's by faith in the Son of the Living God. So God sized things in your life. Are we saved or not? Do we really live by faith? So again, this verse again says, I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live. He said, Yet I live, not I, but Christ who lives within me. Not in the flesh, but in faith. The last thing I want to share is, is God loves, God loves me and gave himself for me. And what listen, listen to scripture. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's what we just talked about. Who loved me and gave himself for me. God loves me. And he gave himself for me. Hey, by the way, it wasn't just for the whole world. It was personal. It was for me. It was for you. It was personal. And it is personal. Oftentimes people say, well, do you want to talk about your relationship with Jesus? Well, that's that's a very personal thing. Now, your salvation is a very personal experience that's between you and Jesus. But, with, but your faith in Christ Jesus should not be personal at all. It should be something you should be telling everybody around you. If you've been changed, you've got a cure for sin. You've got a cure for those things in your life. You want to tell everybody about what uh, what Jesus has done for you and what he could do for them. It cannot be personal until we visit the cross and die, though. Oftentimes, you know, I, I can remember for several years Uh, Now, I had that knowledge of Jesus. I knew that God loved me. I knew he gave himself for me. I understood that. I knew what the cross meant. I went forward and prayed a prayer at one time, signed pieces of paper. I got dunked the whole thing, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. We have church houses filled with people that don't have relationships with Jesus. We have people that have a form of godliness, but they lack lack the power thereof. What does that mean? I don't have any power because I don't have the real Jesus. And I remember... Sitting in church five years after I made a, kind of a profession of faith, and, uh, and I remember God speaking to me. He said, "Billy, you don't know me. And I said, Lord, I've signed the papers. I've said the prayer. And he just showed me my sin before the cross. And I realized, you know, and how much that he loved me. And I realized I that relationship with him. And that day I didn't talk to the preacher. I went forward and fell on the, my knees and said, Jesus, I'm a wretched sinner. Save me. Change me. It became very personal that day. And I had to go to the cross to die that day. That I could find Jesus. Some of us are going to be honest with you, hard-headed people that just don't want to die. We're so full of ourselves, we just don't want to die. We're, we grab a hold. We're selfish. We we're greedy. We don't want to let go of us because we're so afraid. If we let go of that, what will I be? What will I look like? What will I change? I'll never forget. My mom wasn't a believer for years, and we go to this. Uh, I remember going to the altar and praying over and over for my mom to know Jesus. But I remember when she finally gave her life to Christ. And I said, Mom, let me ask you something. What took you so long? She said, I'll be honest with you. She said, I was so blinded. The enemy kept telling me of all the things that I would have to give up and that I would have to let go of. But he never reminded me, never was the one able to show me the joy of what Christ could bring and the victory over so many things. He said, she said, and again, she had to go to the cross to die to that, to find hope and salvation. And she said, I just wanted to hang on to my life you know it was it seemed and then I mean, you'll keep things in front of you and make it look like it's so important like you can't get rid of that boyfriend or that girlfriend because how are you going to make your payments on your car we've got so much invested in this relationship even though it's wrong and it's not healthy we should stay together how am i going to live without this second income in or you know the, anyway, how can i quit this job even though it's not glorifying god i'm working over here in a situation where they're not honoring god and it's it's illegal it's bad things that they're doing but i feel if i leave you know what am i going to do and so those are the things that we have to go back to the cross and die and ask God, give me the strength to die to these things. And, and and it's almost like we make God little, like he's not big enough to find another job or find us a person that loves him or or that if we decide we're gonna live for the right reasons, it may lead that other person that we're with to the to to the cross. But we're greedy. We wanna to hold to the world and yet say we love Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You cannot serve the world and God at the same time. You have to decide. And the only place that you can find full life in Christ is, again, it becomes personal. God loves me and gave himself for me, not just the world, but me. I've got to go back to the cross and realize this is about me and Jesus, not, not the rules and regulations that the preacher made or the church made or what they're talking about. But I need this relationship with the Lord. Christianity, again, it's not about you. I need to tell you that. It's about Jesus. So I, I sometimes I just want to look at people like you. You don't need to become a Christian. You're too selfish. You know it's going to be a big work God has in front of Him because you, you know, you've got to be willing to die to you. And a lot of people think and 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 that easy believism in our churches right now. God has a lot of grace. God has a lot of mercy. Just come, you can kind of do what you want to do, and God still loves you. And that's a lie from hell. You cannot go out once you give your life to Jesus and still go out and smoke crack, smoke dope, sleep around, party, cheat on your taxes, lie, and be bitter and angry toward past things. That is, and still say you love God and God has extended grace to all that. Let me remind you of something. When you go to the cross, he shows that sin to you, and that's something that you want to get rid of. It's not something you want to hang on to. And if you find yourself wanting to hang on to those things after you've made some kind of profession of faith, you really need to do a heart check to see if you're really saved. And I know I'm pretty bold about that, but I can be. And this is my podcast, and I'll say it just like it is. We have a lot of people professing Jesus that don't know him. Can you really say that you've been crucified with Christ and you live with him? Christianity is not about you. And you need to understand when you come to give your life to Christ, it's not about you anymore. As Christ prayed in the garden, as we've shared before, you know, it's, you know let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And you've got to look at your life and realize it's the will of God that needs to be accomplished in your life. Not I, but Christ who lives within me. I want to share this last thing and then I'm going to go. And um, this comes in, well, it, it, this comes in verse 20, 21. And it's extremely. I shared with you earlier that I wanted to get to this verse, and this is right after twenty. I've been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I now live. Uh, of the life of which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You know what that means, we're going to still be in this flesh as long as we're here, but I'm going to live by faith. I want to choose by live by faith and not my flesh. And it's by God living in me. and gives me the strength to overcome those things. I can't do that on my own. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21. This is what I want to leave you with. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law then Christ died in vain or Christ died for nothing. It says this basically. It says, if righteousness comes through by doing rights and wrongs and setting the rules and standards in our lives by living by the Ten Commandments and going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, if it's rules and regulations set by a church or a doctrine, if those can be gained, if if, if it could be gained that way, if righteousness could be gained through the law, if me making right by doing the right things, I would be righteous because I've done right things, then Jesus died for nothing. And that's just not true. Jesus died for us. We can't make ourselves right. We can't become righteous. We can't become good. You know, we can't set aside the grace of God. We've got to live in it. If righteousness comes through the law, and it doesn't, righteousness cannot be gained by doing the do's and don'ts of religion righteousness is gained because Jesus went to the cross and we've been crucified with him and now we live in him. It says, or Christ died for nothing, but he actually died for something. He died for me, he died for you. And what I want to leave you with today, live your life as though Christ died for something. When people look at you, they can see what you were before And they see where you went to the cross and where God redeemed you and then you were changed forever. That is your testimony. And that's what's important. Live as though Christ died for something. Live your life so people can look at it and say, this person, look at their life. Jesus died for something pretty awesome. Look, he changed this person. Live as though Christ died for something. Don't tread on his grace don't wipe your feet on his mercy, but live for him boldly and unashamed. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us be reminded of the cross again to live for you. There are people out here struggling, Lord, with just what do I do today? What re- I mean, this bad relationship, what do I do? Lord, um, these are the goals and dreams I have my, for my life, and this is all I've always wanted to do. And in my life, Lord, you've asked me to lay down my dreams and my hopes and my goals and Lord, where um, I thought, man, this will take me so far, Lord, and, and and these gifts and abilities You've given me, I'm gonna go with these things, and but Lord, that's just it. Those in our humanist have limits, but when I gave my life back to You, You've taken me places, uh, taken me places I never thought I would ever go. You opened doors that I never thought possible. You did things that were immeasurably more than I could ever imagine, as Your Word says. So, God, I ask You right now that we would live by this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. Can we show the world we died to ourselves and that we live for you? Can we show them that? I just ask you, Lord, to help us to be bold in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a blessed day and uh, we'll see you next time on Insight. God bless you. Lord, in all I do, we gotta be a witness. We gotta let the world see Jesus. We gotta tell Him. We gotta let His love shine through. We have to prove the life of Christ and everything we do. Our lives are just a test. We gotta be a witness.